This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 8, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. A new study suggests that electricity deregulation has meant higher prices in states that have adopted it, at least in recent years. Peter Van Doren is the editor of the Cato Institute's Regulation magazine. He argues that deregulation has largely yet to be tried. A new study by a group called Power in the Public Interest, a group that uh, favors traditional rate regulation for electricity, has found that retail energy prices, electricity prices, have risen much more in states that adopted competitive pricing than in those that have retained traditional rates set by the government. The study is somewhat misleading because it concentrates on a time frame, 1999 to the present, Um, which is an odd window of time to look at electricity pricing. It places deregulated markets in their worst possible context because um, what what most states did that deregulated is they actually decreased their prices in 1998 or 99 and then froze them. And that was called a transition period. And for complicated reasons, I won't explain why they did that, but it, it wasn't a market. And then in 2005 and six, and in, in fact, going forward, there are still some deregulated states that are going to end their transition period in 2008 and nine. When that transition period uh, ends and the rate freeze comes off, It's coming off at a time in which fuel prices for electric generation are rising quite rapidly. As everyone knows, oil prices and coal prices and uranium prices and natural gas prices, the fuels used to generate electricity, the prices of those fuels are rising rapidly. So right at the time when the rate freeze was coming off and the rate freeze reflected contractual prices done in 1999, which is the time when fuel prices were the lowest they've been in basically 25 years. Those prices were not sustainable under any regime, be it regulated or unregulated. Regulated states are having to deal with it as well, but not over such a short time frame. So if you take the rate freeze off in 2005 and and 6, prices went through the roof. In Maryland, for example, where I live, prices have risen 70% basically since uh, 2005. In a regulated environment, the rate increases and rate decreases take place over much slower time frames. So um, I did some research on the data, and I went back to 1990, which is way before energy deregulation was even considered. So I looked at prices 1990 to 2006, and I compared the prices in those states that eventually deregulated versus those states that did nothing and stayed with the traditional regulated system. And to, even to my surprise, what I found is the, there was no statistically significant difference between prices in the two different kinds of states. That is, over a much longer time frame, in effect, fuel price have to go through uh, under either system and did through. They just went through in, a, in the so-called deregulated states much more quickly, and in the regulated states, it's occurred more slowly. If there's fundamentally no statistically significant difference in prices under those two kinds of regimes, couldn't you make an argument then that regulators have actually done a pretty good job of making sure that rates are low and reasonable and actually reflect what a market would produce in terms of prices? The the stylized differences that the right and the left talk about about regulation, it turns out the rhetoric is much more overheated than the reality. Indeed, from a price standpoint, um, 
consumers haven't been served that badly by deregulation compared to regulation. But one reason is because, and this is other work economists have done that Jerry Taylor and I have looked at, traditional rate regulation doesn't protect consumers from whatever monopoly power that utilities have as much as consumers think it does. So in some sense, the left in the United States oversells what regulation actually does. And the right may oversell what deregulation can actually do because electricity is a, a more complicated market than almost any other market I've studied. And uh, in particular, um, deregulation on the generator side has to be accompanied by changes on the demand side, i.e. The, the simple way meters are done in everybody's house. If you or everyone knows your electricity bill is backward looking not forward looking and you're not actually you don't actually know what the price of electricity is at the time of purchase no other commodities like that and so it's not surprising that there isn't demand response on the part of consumers and under deregulation if you have generators pricing to market but very little demand response then that's a recipe for prices increasing more rapidly than they are otherwise would and so the people who advocate a, a return to traditional regulation have a point, they, which is the way we've done deregulation, and Jerry and I don't advocate the way it's been done. The way it's been done is sort of halfway. It's like it's given the generators freedom to do what they want to do to price to market, but they don't, they don't actually face customers who see the prices at the time of sale. And that that's a very weird market. And so it's possible that... Even if we extend the analysis going forward, we will find that deregulated states, the consumers are worse off than in regulated states because of this, in effect, lack of demand transparency so that customers actually don't see the prices at the time of sale. Now, that's a similar problem as in the healthcare industry. That is, consumers of healthcare do not typically have to confront most of the prices of the services or products that they're consuming. What do you see as some of the benefits of a fully deregulated marketplace in energy with regard to how we consume electricity and even how producers produce it or how we may even store it up somehow? Well, again, it's this real, the so-called real-time meters. Um, the wholesale price on the grid varies every five minutes. So generators know that, and people in the electricity business know that, and there are websites where you can go and observe those time-varying, real-time prices. But consumers don't know that. Uh, in fact, it's uh, the most absurd case is actually in California. The A third of California consumers, mostly industrial and commercial load, are do have real-time meters. But they're not. The California Rate Commission doesn't allow that information to be actually used in the prices that those demanders see. So, California has done what's called a California Electricity Pricing Experiment, in which they, um, <clears throat> and we've written about this in regulation, and you could go online and, and see the article. They exposed consume. They did a clinical trial for electricity consumption. They had a third of the people in a traditional non-time-varying rate environment. Then they had a, 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 a third of the people in the experiment were exposed to and told about time-varying electricity prices. Then the third arm was given sophisticated uh, computer software so that they could wire up their air conditioning and their heating and their stove and other energy-intensive uses 
to feed into that time varying price information. And the consumer could then set a parameter so that if prices got above what they considered to be a tolerable level, it would signal the consumer of that occurring and then shut down the unit or tell them to shut down the unit if they didn't want to make it automatic. The results of that show that the people in that third of the experiment had much more elastic demand, much more price-sensitive demand than in the other two arms of the experiment. Based on the results of that experiment, the two utilities in California, Pacific Gas and Electric and Southern California Edison, are going forward and installing time-varying meters, uh, so-called smart meters, uh, for California electricity consumers. And then and only then will we really have um, a so-called real electricity market. And, and one response consumers might have to that is to heat their hot water at, uh, only at night and to do... Uh, aluminum smelting, right? Another electricity-intensive thing would be done off-peak or at night, and and air conditioning would be different. We'd have cold water chilled at night and then kept somewhere under insulation, and then the chilled water would be used in the daytime. But you wouldn't actually use maybe electricity in the daytime. There might be all sorts of demand responses to this very high price for electricity during the daytime in the summer. Peter Van Dorn is the editor of the Cato Institute's Regulation Magazine. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can read more from Regulation Magazine at our website, cato.org.